Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hi, this is Ashley with Prevent Connect, and today I'm really excited to be talking about a session that took place at the National Sexual Assault Conference in August of 2013. It was called Beyond Bystander Intervention, Addressing Power-Based Violence and Rape Culture on the College Campus. I actually have three guests with me today. First, I have Vicki Sides, the Director of Resources for Sexual Violence Prevention at the University of Chicago. Hi, Vicki. How are you? Hi, Ashley. I'm great. Great to have you here. I also have Rachel Kaidor, Associate Director for the Campus Advocacy Network at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Hi, Rachel. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And last but not least, I have Sari Lipset, who is with CalCASA, our California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hi, Sari. Hey there, Ashley. Again, it's so wonderful to have you all here. And I just want to start by asking Vicki and Rachel, can you tell us more about the session that you did at NSAC, Beyond Bystander Intervention, Addressing Power-Based Violence and Rape Culture on the College Campus? Well, we wanted to make a session that sort of expanded the conversation of bystander intervention, which usually focuses on individual interventions that interrupt moments where violence can happen, power-based violence. And we wanted to change the conversation or sort of expand it to looking at rape culture and thinking through ways that not only people can intervene on rape culture, but also what happens when we include intervening on culture as well as individuals when we're talking about preventing power-based violence. Well, that sounds really great. And, Sari, I know you had a chance to attend the session. What were your thoughts? It was a great session. I think a lot of discussion came from a lot of the people who were participating in the audience. They really enjoyed the idea of going beyond bystander intervention because a lot of them had said that they have a lot of bystander intervention activities and campaigns on their campus, but the whole concept of really addressing rape culture and power-based violence was something that sometimes had been lacking. And I was wondering if you have examples or ways that schools could go beyond just bystander intervention to a more comprehensive program that addresses power-based violence and rape culture on college campuses as well. This is Vicki. I think that one of the first things that, you know, is evident for me when we have this conversation is the actual anti-rape work, whether it's done on college campuses or communities outside of college campuses has become increasingly depoliticized, right? So that in the 15 years, for example, that Rachel and I have known each other in this work, there's been a greater shift toward strategies that are shown to be effective, and there is data that shows bystander intervention to be an effective prevention strategy, but also that at the same time that's come at the expense of thinking about the politics of the work, right? So when I say politics of the work, I mean that we believe that rape exists because inequity exists, and that in order to address rape effectively, that it requires us to address these other inequities that exist in society so that we can't sort of focus on prevention strategies or intervention strategies or any of those things without sort of first understanding that there are some great inequities, not just around gender, but around other things like race and class and sexuality, et cetera, ability, that we're required to understand in order to approach our work more effectively. 
Great. That, that's really interesting. And I was wondering, is there, are there any examples of things that you're doing on your campus, whether it be programs or activities that kind of give a description of these kind of holistic work you're talking about? This is Rachel. Vicki and I collaborate cross-campus a little bit. Part of why we decided to do this workshop in this way was because there was kind of a lack of models where those two things were done simultaneously, effectively, partially because of the nature of campus-based work, right? Like semesters are actually a lot shorter than they look on paper, and it's hard to try to make something as deep as changing cultural norms that exist in and off campus with giving people practical skills, right? And so part of our inspiration for making this workshop was to sort of try to start blending those two and talking about those two things in the same time and figuring out what it looks like when we apply those skills that we ask people to use on an individual level to intervening on a cultural level, which is really, really difficult and I would say imperfect, right, which is why this is probably not the last time we're going to do a presentation like this or a workshop, right? But that said, I think that UFC and UIC do really, really great jobs in sort of offering programming that give students an opportunity to think through the way they consume cultural products really inform their perspective on sexual violence, right? So last year, Vicki did an amazing series on how rape and sexual violence is experienced in sort of online and digital cultures, and that created a really useful conversation for people who, for example, played a lot of online games or sort of lived in worlds that were online about how they not only sort of almost actively ignore certain things, right, certain sort of sexist, rape-affirming language because it was so normalized. And that is part of the ways in which we want to build skills through sort of dialogue and, and sort of pulling the camera back from, like, what happens when you're at a party and somebody's drunk, right? Because those aren't the only contexts in which we see sexual violence and other forms of violence normalized and minimized in people's lives. It's also one of the things we did sort of cross-campus that Rachel came and did for us last year, which was really great. We looked at the ways that the discourses of rape and discourses of reproductive rights, discourses of rape and discourses of abortion, for example, that had so many parallels. So when we looked at the public discourse, everything from what legislators, major legislators were on record as saying, the kinds of things that really blamed women, the kinds of things that we would consider victim blaming in the anti-rape world, when you looked at the language, it was incredibly similar. And so one of the things I found effective on this campus is sort of getting people to understand, to think about rape culture as it applies to other issues, not just issues of reproductive justice, though that was a really great example, but as Rachel said, also issues of online or gaming culture. Thank you. I think that's a really great example. And, you know, what I really love is that we're talking about expanding the conversation to a cultural level. And we're saying beyond bystander intervention. We're not saying instead of, but we're really looking at what is it going to take to have a truly comprehensive approach to addressing power-based violence and rape culture on a college campus. What we really want to do is figure out how to inform people's individual actions with 
a broader sort of cultural and social sort of perspective because what we believe and part of what inspired us was understanding that when you give people tools for very, very specific interventions of very, very specific situations, then best case scenario, yeah, they're going to be really great interveners in those very specific situations, but only in those specific situations and they'll know how to intervene, but they won't recognize other forms of violence in other contexts, right? And what we also want to challenge in these sort of things is sort of the understanding that intervention has to only happen in a sort of rescuing context, right? And in a context where there is, you know, sort of like a clear aggressor and a clear victim in in ways in which so much of the violence that we experience and so much of the reason why survivors have such a difficult time coming forward, getting justice, or we have a hard time making a world free of violence is because people don't recognize other forms of violence as things that need to get intervened on, either because they don't recognize it as violence or because they don't feel like those things are intervenable upon. So we want to give people sort of like micro skills, right, and also macro skills. And that's where the sort of analysis of the ways in which we live our lives comes in. That's really, really hard to do in a sort of first-year student orientation that may or may not be 15 to 35 minutes long. But I think that that's kind of the challenge that those of us that live on campus communities have to take, you know, when we decide that we are going to, like, have these people for four to six years of their lives and we're going to make them sort of become great members of our society, right? Like, we undertake that. And so I think that we should take the time to try to figure out how to put those two things in the same hand. The other thing that I think is shown to be really effective on our campus is the use of social norming. And we actually use social norming around lots of other issues. We use them around health issues. We use it around alcohol consumption issues, for example. And so when we put it in the context of looking at rape culture on campus or more specifically at bystander intervention, what it does is it takes people away from this idea that they have to be sort of the lone hero in a situation and that they have to do it alone, right, because the bystander intervention strategies intentionally incorporate other members of the community. But even if we look at how interventions on rape culture should be ongoing, if we apply sort of a social norming approach, Students automatically sort of think that other people think very differently than they do about these issues. Put students in a room together and they start talking about it, what they realize is that that's actually not the case. And our students come to this campus with a pretty high degree of media literacy, I would say. And so I think this conversation about rape culture combined with bystander intervention strategies is something that's really appealing to them. And they often seek us out because they want to get involved in that conversation. Similarly, when we present standard bystander intervention models, I know that we heavily, heavily share that model with our students first year during orientation and throughout the year, and they really, really like it. They really enjoy having concrete skills, and we have really great talks about, like, I don't want a cock block or something like that, and they get really engaged, but then I think at the end of that conversation, they turn around and say, that test totally raped me, and those conversations are totally 
disconnected in their mind, and that is sort of our responsibility to reconnect those for them. And then there's the other group of students that, like, come in and they all are like, we've done Take Back the Night, we've done the Vagina Monologues, what else speaks to our lived experience that we can really engage the issue on? You know, and that's where the rape culture talk comes in, but then people then start feeling overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to contend with the summer jam of the season blurred line? And people feel like they're completely alone because this bystander model does sometimes promote this like lone hero intervenus like inter intervener strategy, right? And so like in thinking through bystander intervention, it is a community building thing and we want to start framing these interventions, not only the micro ones, right? At parties and stuff like that, but the macro ones on culture as things that actually need to be done as community efforts because that is not only the safest way but the way that normalizes those sort of interventions. And I think this whole concept of sharing the responsibility with the community it is an important one and has been really effective for me. There are those of us who work in administration, if you will, who sort of understand our role in terms of the creation of policy or in terms of instituting prevention programs or in terms of adjudicating sexual assault or responding. There are many areas in which we work on this campus to do those things. But what the students have done really, really well is that they've taken their own sort of activism around this issue and sort of brought it to the attention of the people who are working on things like policy and adjudication and really partnered in the how can we create a more informed campus community? How can we use our efforts to help address this issue on campus? And it's been really useful for us to convey to the students that we are all working toward the same goals, that we want to be preemptive. We don't want to wait to respond to a particular issue. We don't want to just check off the checklist of what we need to do in terms of Cleary and Title IX and VAWA, but that we actually want to be intentional about creating a particular kind of climate on campus. That's really great to hear. One of the things that we really work towards is that integration of prevention into policy, and so I think that's a good example about how using this strategy can help make that happen. You've talked about some strategies. Do you have any tips for individuals who are working on college campuses and looking at how they can expand their approach? This is Vicki. I think probably if I had a number one tip, it would be to not abstain from thinking about, engaging in, doing some activism around a particular issue, like if it doesn't look exactly like an issue of sexual violence, but that if it looks like addressing some inequity in any other area, and there will be plenty on college campuses, right? There will be plenty of examples that come up of students that feel violated in many other ways. To be outraged, to, you know, add your voice to the voices that are saying this is wrong and this has to change, whether it's specifically the issue you thought you would be working on or not, to actually just see the connections between them. I would also add that we as administrators, as staff, as people whose job it is, right, to create these spaces where people learn about bystander intervention, for example, like need to understand that the issue of power-based violence is actually really different than a lot of other things that get like lumped into the 15 minutes of like health ed that students get 
at the beginning of school. So we need to approach our jobs in that way because I actually am a firm believer that we can't talk about sexual violence as something that is in the same world of accidentally getting too drunk one night, right? And so when we take the sort of like this was an accident or miscommunication about consent out of this and understand that this crime was committed because this person felt a sort of cultural impunity to do so, that really, really changes the conversation that we have with students, not only that we want to sort of prevent this from happening too, but we want to talk to the people who may or may not be perpetrators, right? Like we do not want to continue this sort of like, don't accidentally be a rapist, right? Because statistically we know that that's not true. We know through the great work of all of the bystander work and all of the sort of intervention work that's been done in the past 10 or 15 years has really shown us that Sexual violence is not an accident, especially on college campuses. And so conflating them with these sort of other like life skills that people need to learn when they are first year college really does a disservice to helping people understand why this thing is happening and then also does a disservice in the ways universities direct the resources to intervene on those things, right? And that also leads to certain kinds of siloing of this particular crime that makes it really, really hard then to make it a safe space for survivors, make it a safe space for people who want to talk about how sexual violence and other power-based violence are power-based crimes because of inequities of power that exist outside of the dynamics between those two people or multiple people, as the case may be. And so that's really, really scary for a university or an institution that is, like, charged with some in loco parentis and people's money and the prospect of being sued for libel or slander or any number of things, right? But we feel like we are at a time in our sort of culture where our students are actually outpacing us in seeing what's going on. So we need to stop thinking about ourselves as people who know how our students are living through the world and we're just going to give them some tips because that's not actually what's happening. And what is actually happening is that these students, the people in our communities are living in this culture and the universities themselves really need to take notice about how their interactions with culture, with each other, with other forms of oppression are directly impacting how they experience violence on our campuses, not only sexual violence, but all forms of violence. And that is a lot more work than just saying, hold your keys in your hand and don't get too drunk at a party or take your drunk friend home when you see some predator hitting on her, right? Like that's way more work, but that's what we're here to do. Absolutely. And and we're going to continue to have these conversations. So I want to thank both of you today. We've been talking about expanding the conversation to a cultural level, particularly around Vicki and Rachel's presentation at the National Sexual Assault Conference in 2013 last August on Beyond Bystander Intervention, Addressing Power-Based Violence and Rape Culture on the College Campus. So Vicki Sides is from the University of Chicago, and Rachel Kaidor is from the University of Illinois at Chicago, and our own Sari Lip is from the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault, and I want to thank all of you for being here. I really look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
The views presented on Permit Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.